1: to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast it was a near miss for Wales but leave South Africa with a head held high and uh, we thought who better to look back on this uh, remarkable summer tour not just for Wales but for uh, uh, but yes really exciting rugby Uh, a man desperate to get his teeth stuck into all of this he's back for his second week in a row and that hasn't happened for a very long time it's uh, the Attacking Scrum's answer to Gavin Henson Dan Killick how are you Dan?
0: i'm very good thanks jed sat in the garden here very very warm and uh yeah delighted to say that i've got a, a wi-fi booster set up in the garden especially for days like today when we're recording the attacking scrum podcast hey, you've somehow you've been you've been dragged into the
1: 21st century and uh and uh, yeah we're Hugely appreciative for that. Um, talking of things moving in the right direction, uh, let's get your your overall thoughts
0: on uh, on this summer tour for Wales. Yes, I feel it's been a a really great series for for Wales. I think that before we were all fearing the worst, weren't we, coming over to South Africa and. I think we would have taken sort of we would have taken probably just a decent performance, mm. out, out, you know, out there in, in SA, and we got so much more than that. I think we've restored a lot of pride back in the shirt. Oh, I'd agree. And I say that because I think that during the Six Nations, they're just we we didn't look as if we we, we really wanted it, which I know players hate it when when uh, you know fans fans comment. And, and say things like that but that's that's sort of how it how it looked how it, it felt, felt like it didn't it yeah it did it did <clears throat> I'm not saying that's the case but it did feel like it and yeah I just think it overall is it a brilliant brilliant campaign we can start we match. we were up for it physically weren't we really really challenged challenged them um they've been really complimentary over there as well about how you know how well we played um and I think we've we've started to see some attacking plays as well come from come from wales which we haven't seen during during pivac's campaign so yeah a superb superb tour all in all for me
1: yeah i mean i think um my thoughts are i've kind of gone two ways about this Uh, definitely after that first test i felt like it was a missed opportunity i just thought you don't get the opportunity to beat South Africa on their own patch very often. As it turned out, we got an opportunity to do it the very next week. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it's um, it definitely gives us something to build on. That's the thing that I'm I kind of think I'm most excited about is there's there's something there that we can um, that we can really. Uh, Get stuck into, like you say, fronted up physically, doing the basics right, and that then gives you the opportunity to start putting some some back moves together and and actually just general handling skills. I thought were better than we'd seen during the Six Nations. So, yeah, for me, that's what it's all about. It's something to build upon. Got to now go and back it up in our next set of internationals in the autumn.
0: Yeah, we're quite we're quite. It says it all, doesn't it? We're disappointed that we didn't get the series win. That's massive. Because yeah. I, I, I think it's an opportunity missed. Yeah, we should have won the first game. We obviously won the second. And, you know, we'll come on to, you know, we'll come on to the Cape Town defeat later, I'm sure. But we, I, I think that a lot of the, a lot of the issues were our own errors, if that makes sense. Some of them were sort of almost, un, you know, unforced when we weren't, there wasn't pressure on us. Like, you know, like the, uh, the line out throws, where there's no ultimate pressure on, other than we've got to throw the ball in and we're throwing, we're throwing it not straight and you know knock-ons, ill-discipline, things like that. They are things that we can tidy up, which, which again is encouraging, but equally frustrating at the same time, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. I, I suppose
1: the mitigating factor sometimes is, if there is any place in the world that you're going to come under pressure from an opposition line out, it's South Africa, um, you know, which then again might... Uh, yeah, it might lead to those errors at line out time. But you're right. I mean, how many times have we have we said that over the, the last six years that Wales's line out just, just hasn't hasn't quite functioned? But you're right, you know, if you can tidy that up, tidy up the basic errors. Like I say, for me it's it's just like it's a platform to build on. The foundations are there now, and I, I didn't think that at any point, even when we won the Six Nations in 2021, I didn't think there was a platform to build on. I, I think these three performances have been the best three performances in a row for the
0: whole of PIVAC's reign in charge. Yeah, they have, and we've we've seen continuity in selection, haven't we? And we've got balanced... Um, you know, we've, we've, we've got a bit of balance across the side, haven't we, which I, we, do, we just haven't had before. And, and I you know, that's obviously led to, you know, led to better performances, but it's still, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of players that their, their, their stock has massively risen. And so I, I guess where we've got those, un, you know, some unforced errors and a little bit of indiscipline and um, some, some errors at the line out, if we can, they can be for, forgiven. I, I, I guess with the fact that it's still a relatively newish side that's coming together, isn't it? With, a relatively newish coaching setup as well just because we had you know we were so so established with the coaching guys for so long so i'm 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 super positive yeah yeah the uh, the stock has risen uh, as you said there if
1: there's one thing we know Dan it's that you love to you love to to look out for those players who've put in an eye catching performance it's like the the I do. who's who's uh, <laughs> yeah who's um
0: whose stock is rising on the killick index then yeah so on the killick index gareth thomas in Can, the front row, I think not agree more. He, Yeah, he's he's been out he's been outstanding, isn't he? Uh, you know, Lydia's been getting a lot, a huge amount of praise, and rightly so. But the amount of his work rate that he, that he's got through across, you know across all three games is 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 incredible, really. I think for for a front rower, he's scrummaged well as well. Um, he's given loads in the loose. He's been a nuisance. He's been up for it, fiery, and. Yeah, I think he's been a huge, huge success, and what a what a campaign from him. Yeah, I agree absolutely,
1: a hundred percent. And you're you're right. It's little touches as well. The um, that opportunity uh, in the in the first test where he managed to get the offload away, which led to the first try, and things like that. That I think we we're all we were all hoping when Pivak took over, we'd see more of that. You know, kind of ball handling forwards. And if I'm honest, when Gareth Thomas came into the side, I wasn't necessarily anticipating that he was going to be one of those um one of those players, but he 's shown some nice touches like that, and has certainly held up in the scrum and and yeah, the work rate absolutely just got through an absolute stack of it and you feel like I definitely feel like if you go back um several um several six nations autumn all of that kind of stuff um the selection has been the biggest thing as we've said numerous times it doesn't Pivak doesn't know what his best team is
0: I think he probably does now doesn't he yeah, I think. Well, I think he's definitely got a, a, a far better idea. And he's, what he's got is, it's tricky because there's still, there could be improvements in terms of, there could be better players to come into that side. But are those players going to make the gel? Are they going to? Is this side going to actually gel better? Maybe not. So, and and that's that's the, that's the challenge, isn't it? That's. That's what he's got. That's what he's got to look at. This it seems to be really, really balanced. Yeah, um, so certainly in it.
1: the pack, I would say. And that's you know that's without Tom Francis, who is still hands down the best tight head in Wales. And I think you know you add him back into the mix, and that that then gives you a, a pretty formidable pack if everyone if everyone's fit. And as I said last week, hats off for bringing Lydia back in because it has really just delivered a proper six, seven, eight back row. And I think we look all the better for it. So even if you know you are struggling up front you've got a back row that can really compete slow the ball down win turnovers and um
0: and yeah get get through all that donkey work yeah we have and I think with the front row as well we because it uh, because at times we haven't had maybe that many ball players then in our in our front five it makes a, it makes such a it makes such a difference doesn't it having a slightly different front row where they're you know, they're able to get a, you know, get, get a pass off, you know, a, a sidestep, a shimmy, um, get an offload, which then allows us to go to go forward where we are up against the really, really physical sides. So I think for, for Pivak now, the most exciting thing is that he's got a we've got we've got a couple of different front rows that we that we can pick, but we've just got to make sure that they the combinations are right and that and that they're playing against the right sides if we're going to chop and change it around. It can work to our advantage, but equally, it can really work against us if we're putting the wrong front rows out against the wrong sides. Yeah, if I'm
1: honest, I don't feel, I, I kind of feel the opposite way. I don't think this is a horses for courses scenario. I just think get your best front row out all the time, you know, when they're fit. And I think that certainly the two props for me uh, are nailed on. Gareth Thomas and, uh, and Tom Francis when he's fit. You know, I think Dylan Lewis did an excellent audition for that, for that understudy spot. Um, and obviously, we know he brings something different off the bench anyway. So I think you know in props, it's looking it is looking a lot better. And and then hooker, you've got you know I still think in the long term, Derry Lake is going to be the is going to be the successor again. A few um, a few lineouts going awry yesterday, but that's I feel like that's the only bit missing from his game. To be honest, I think the rest of it is there, and and that leadership is there. He's been already been tipped as a future captain of Wales. We saw what a brilliant captain he was of the under twenties a few years back. Um, so I think he's a massive prospect. I think he will take over in the number two shirt um, uh, at some point soon. So th- that to me, I think will be the will be the best front row. As it's hard to look this far out, but going into the World Cup, that's what I feel like is it, going to be that. Um, it's going to be that best front row. Yeah, and uh, again, it comes back to those. Those common themes of uh, of throwing in and and being the the kind of the perennial Achilles heel of any of any Wales national side, um, obviously that's closely linked to the second rows. And I do feel like again to go back to the point of of knowing the best combinations, this is going to be the this is going to be the second row combination for the for the foreseeable. I think in terms of stock rising, Will Rowlands has had an absolutely astounding season and I thought he was brilliant in South Africa as well you know even putting in a a stint in the blind side in the Cape Town test so uh, yeah I I think for me this this second row combination again really gives him something to work towards with uh, you know with whatever it is 15 months to the World Cup.
0: Yeah I agree two two big boys I thought Adam Beard's had a good really good solid campaign as well and they've they're reading each other really nicely aren't they so that combination that we've that we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, across, you know, across the front row is spreading into the, spreading into the, you know, the second row and the back row. So yeah, Will Rowan has has had a fantastic series. Really good. Yeah. So uh, lots, lots of,
1: um, lots of encouraging things in the pack. How do you assess the backs and how they went? You mentioned that there was a, you know, a few things starting to click in terms of attack. Um, Anyone who's, who's kind of particularly impressed you on this tour in the backs?
0: I thought, yeah, I think, I think for me, Kieran Hardy's had a, had a really good, really good campaign. It's nice to see him getting a run of games and his, you know, we can see his, his kicking now. He he kicks, doesn't he? They they're there for the for for all the side to compete. And it's literally right on the money. Mm. So I think he's gone well. We know that, you know, Thomas Williams can come in and offer something very, very different, but I think we've got Really good, really good options at nine, and all of them can offer something very different. So, uh, for me, he's gone well. Um, I've got to mention George North yesterday. I thought he was fantastic. And whenever he had the ball, we looked dangerous, really dangerous. You could see the, the trouble he causes for defenses before he's got the ball. They're really, they're really I, 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 pan- I suppose panic is probably not the right word, but they're, they're wondering what on earth is going to happen here now. Um, if he gets the ball, they know they're going to have a job stopping him. And also he's got a great, he's got a great pass and offload in there as well, isn't he? So he didn't look to me to be moving as well as he could do, which is absolutely understandable with the injuries got, but he was still moving really well. You know, not that was just, you know, I'm not being critical there, but just, I think there's more to come from him, which is exciting, but he was, he was great. And his outside defense was was superb. Um, And the defense across the back line, I thought was great. So he, it's just so good to see him back in you know back in um back in the Welsh setter
1: yeah, I felt yesterday in particular, we uh, or Saturday, obviously depending on when you're listening to this. I felt like it was a much improved performance from Liam Williams, and I thought we were kind of getting back to seeing the best from him. I know he knocked on a few balls going um, up in the air, which we're not used to seeing. But I mean, that sliding, um, oh, that, that yeah. mop up when uh, when Willie Larue was through, I just thought was so instinctive. And when a player's not playing well, a little bit of doubt creeps in there, and he was so committed to that. He was like, right, I'm going to slide on this ball and straight up on his feet in one action and away looking to break and I just thought that was, that's the kind of thing that's, that's really encouraging and and you want to see, yeah, that's what you want to see from Liam Williams, isn't it? It, it is, we know it he's is. a great, you know, he can be a great broken field runner and we know he's, you know, he's good defensively in the tackle and stuff and, and under the high ball. But that positional stuff, you know, that you know, you always rave about um, Halfpenny, that, that rugby brain from 15. I, I thought he showed a lot of that. And his defensive positioning was really, really strong on Saturday.
0: Yeah, he did. I mean, Jamie Roberts mentioned, didn't he, on that slide that was Will and He was. You could watch that over and over again, couldn't he? It? it was so good. And, and very few can do that, can't yeah. they? there's very few players that can actually do that and yeah we probably have seen over the last you know 18 months him him attempt that and the odd the odd fumble which probably does come to come down to confidence doesn't it and yeah he looked he looked to be back as did so many of the players I think Nick Tompkins has had a really strong Absolutely. series series as well great in great in defense but also in a in attack as well. Uh, I think you, you know, you mentioned it or Murph did last week. There's looping passes, finding space. And on the backs, we found, we caused them trouble out wide. I, I I had a feeling we would, it was just a shame that we didn't get, we didn't get the ball, you know, into the outside backs on more occasions because they were, they were under pressure when we did. Yeah. And a lot of that came down to, came down to the quick ball that we were, that we've seen over the, over this series, which uh, is something new for us. Yeah it was and there's a couple of those opportunities you just think that
1: if that had happened that Josh Adams one where I I can't remember who uh, who the staff defender was who slipped and he got through and um yeah it was tough and obviously they they recovered and made a made a good tackle um but again, that was a big opportunity. You just wonder if a kick ahead, he had re-sam it on his inside. Perhaps that might have been. You know, I'm not blaming him for that at all. But again, it was good encouraging encouraging play to get the ball wide quickly. And you know, again, the, the one where George North fends um, fends Ches- Cheslin Colby. And in the second half, you've got you've got Thomas Williams making that break, and he had Bash inside him, and it, it the the ball just didn't quite go to hand. Um, and again, a couple of these you know I think it's been a long time since we've seen you know since we've seen um yeah some of that threat from um from a welsh backline so it it's all um yeah I'm not going to get carried away and you know as we said we, we've been very critical of of the performances under pivac, but for me, it just keeps coming back to having something that we can that we can work with and I really hope that yeah, as we go as we go into the uh, as we go into the, the start of the new season, players get some good game time, some more minutes under their belt. I hope the regions don't you know have a string of awful results. And then as we get into you know as we get into November, uh, uh, a yeah, big opportunity to um, to test ourselves at home against uh, against the best sides
0: in the world. Yeah, I think we I think we're just I think it's justified though for us to get carried away after after that series really. Um, just with just, there's just so much in it that, that, that was great, you know? Um, I'm finding myself having to, you know, re- rein in, but really, we, it was brilliant. It really was brilliant, wasn't it? And it was so exciting as well. That's the thing. It, it was exciting. The games were good. They were real contests. And we left, we left tries out there, didn't we, on the yeah. park. Um, we've talked about the errors that a lot of them were errors that we made, and yes, you know they started to mount, you know, mount the pressure, and you know, but but I do think, and I, it sounds like we're mentioning this every week, doesn't it? But the referee, and I, I know I put a couple of couple of comments in our group in the second half, you know, when they started to turn turn the screw. and and apply pressure for me the ref at that point stopped refing them so he was telling them off but they but 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 not doing anything about it so it's the little things the holding on they're coming off their feet um
1: it's a real bug it's a real bugbear of mine actually when they're coaching rather than reffing i know exactly what you mean and it's like there's certain ones where you know if they're if they're saying yeah right, right roll away six, well done, you know, and that's kind of just to try and encourage quick ball, but it's when they're, it's when it's like, let, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go,
0: let it go, let it release now, yeah. and then yeah. they
1: do, it's like, yeah, they have released, but they've slowed the ball down sufficiently that yeah. it's, it, yeah, it's, done it's done enough sh- damage, they've done the job.
0: Exactly that, I mean, how many times did we hear yesterday, stop it, stop it, stop it, three times, well, that slowed the ball down enough, yeah. we, the, the only place really we were causing them issues was when we had quick ball and when we were getting it out, so, the stop it, stop it, stop it allows yeah. us not to have the quick ball. And I, it was killing me. It was killing me. Um, and I didn't see it. I, I didn't think he was consistent with that on, on, you know, on the other side. We, you know, I didn't think we did it back to them. Maybe that's our fault. Mm. You know, we, but we couldn't do it to them because they, they were bigger than us, weren't they? So it's harder. And I think it's so frustrating at that point because sometimes it feels like now so much of the result is down to the ref. If the ref refs, the southern, you know, the southern hemisphere sides. Then you, you, you know, you, you're in with a far, 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 far greater shout. I think there was a couple of big calls as well. Then these are sort of little things that compound over, but but they're they're big. They lead to they lead to, to big results, but. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that was, a, that was a real frustration for me. I, I
1: do think that, that you know, when you if you want to be one of the best sides of the world, you want to make World Cup semi-finals and finals. You've got to beat the ref if you need to, and I know that's easy to say, but you've got to. And I think when Wales have been playing their best in the last ten years, it's when we've been smart enough to adapt to to the referee and, and to the way that they're going to they're going to ref it, and during the game, applying, you know. Um, Applying different tactics, like you say, you know, if they're getting away, I mean, it is frustrating if there's no consistency there. There's perhaps not that much that you can do about that, but it's um, you're right. It's such a big part of the the game as to as to how to to referee them. What I will just say before we head into a break, you know, certainly much improved performance from Wales this whole series. I do feel like South Africa um, was certainly the better side on Saturday, and um, you know, even though it was a really good performance, and we were we were. You know, well in it with uh, with ten minutes to go. Um, I still think that they they did the nuts and bolts that that bit better and uh, and probably yeah oh yeah and and, and definitely deserve the win for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I so I was having a chat with um, uh, a friend of mine who's an English fan about an hour before coming on the podcast, and he was saying, "Look, for me, you you boys tried to." to take South Africa on up, you know, up front in a physical game and you cause them trouble when you, when you move the ball around, just why didn't you do more of it? Mm. And I said to him that in that final 25 minutes of the game, we weren't, we weren't allowed to, we would be, because the, you know, they, they started bringing in the dark arts. The ref missed for me 90% of it. So we couldn't get the quick ball. It wasn't a case that we didn't want to. And he said, that's nonsense. You know, I, they just, they just brought, you know, they brought more power and everything else, but, I, I, I disagreed with him because they do bring more power. But if you're not if if those if those um, if, if they're not reft where you're holding on, you're coming in off your feet, you're you're clearing out off the ball, all those things, you that's what leads to the power and the quick guys, because they're big men coming onto the ball and the momentum just goes forward. So it'd be really interesting to see the, the diff, you know the, the difference if those things are picked up and nipped in the bud instantly. Because for me, the outcome of the game completely changes. It does. Um, I mean, the,
1: it, the other thing I'd say, though, Dan, as well, and I think this was mentioned in commentary, we looked a bit leggy in that last 20 minutes. It looked, and that's completely understandable. It looked like yeah. a side who'd been through three very tough tests. Um, and again, you, but they are things that that you can work on. And I don't know, part of me, part of me I think, agrees with, your, agrees with your mate. I would still like to see more of the... Um, of, yeah, of playing with a higher tempo if I'm honest I, I as good a tour as Kieran Hardy has had I still think Thomas Williams is the best nine and the best option to um to bring that you know to, to bring that added tempo um and then you know if you if you get to that kind of Gatland level of fitness why there's no reason why there can't be you know there's absolutely no reason um you know that, that we can't sort that out before um before the World Cup then you know that you know you' you're able to play at that that really High tempo—that's that's going to cause a huge team like South Africa. I mean, how many times have we said, have we said on this podcast previewing a game uh, ahead of, of playing South Africa? How many times have we said, you know, if we can move the ball around and, and, and keep it alive and, and look to, you know, look to stretch the forwards across the park, um, we'll be in with a shout. Um, so I, I'm kind of inclined to agree that I think that you know, there's nothing we can do about the ref. If the ref kind of, if the ref stops refing them, then you know, it's up to us to, to figure out a route. So I don't know, I'd probably be inclined to agree with your pal there, I think.
0: Yeah, we have, we have, we have, you know, we, ideally we, we want to find a way of, you know, of working around the ref in the, in the, in those situations. I just find at the moment that it tends to happen all, all, all too often, but um it, it sounds like a massively whinge in here from saying this, but I had to get it off my chest. <laughs> oh so, yeah. well, in, um, in, abs-
1: in the absence the of Murph, we needed someone to uh, to have a little moan about the ref Dan, and obviously you did it in your uh, in your much more polite, less uh, less sweary way than uh, than Murph does. So uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure w- when we come to the new season, um, we'll have uh, we'll have more foul mouthed uh, reference from uh, from Murph to come, but. We're going to take a very quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to continue to review the, uh, the Wales Tour of South Africa and we're also going to have a look at some of the other results from, uh, from elsewhere in this, uh, in this um, Summer Internationals. Right, we'll be back after this very quick break. Right, Dan, you want to carry on talking about Wales or do you want to talk about the other nations for a bit and then we'll bring it back to Wales at the end? Yeah, let's do that. Good stuff. Um well I mean there's there's only one other place to, to really take a look, and that is the astonishing um result that, that Ireland achieved. A you know a two one series victory in in New Zealand is, is absolutely astonishing. I'm gonna come on to, to kind of what it means to Ireland in a minute. Before we do that, I mean this has gotta put absurd pressure on, on Ian Foster losing a losing a series at home to Ireland, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think that could be could be the end of the end of his reign, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean um, I don't I, I don't think they've ever done it before.
1: They've never sacked a coach in between World Cups. You know, they kind of tend to get to leave on their own terms, don't they? And um, you know, even after two thousand seven Henry stayed on then won a World Cup and um, you know, and obviously Hansen did too as well. It's it's just a um it's a very unfamiliar situation for New Zealand to be in, but we know what an unforgiving rugby public they can be. They demand the best because they've got the best players, they've got the heritage and, you know, uh, have been the best side in the world for the most amount of time. Um, it's going to be difficult, I think, for Foster to,
0: to come back from this. Yeah, it will be. It's a really, uh, it's a really unusual place for, for New Zealand to be in, isn't it? They've never been yeah, I can't remember a can't remember a time like it. It's probably not a vintage, you know, a vintage New Zealand side, is it? But there's still a lot of a lot of a lot of quality there. A few people questioning again the balance of the side. I think's been brought up, isn't it, from from New Zealand pundits? But yeah, he's under he's under immense pressure. And it'll be really fascinating to see actually what they do. Whether they do allow him time. Or whether they whether they make a change really
1: going to be interesting to see. It is because you know, you, as I say, you think back to that Henry scenario and um, yeah, you know, crashing out of a World Cup in the quarterfinals uh, in, in 2007, and they went no, go again, and he was given that whole four years, and obviously he turned it around and and won um, won a World Cup on home soil under immense pressure. It has to be said because the expectation was so high. Yeah, huge pressure. I, you know, I, I think there will be there'll be crisis talks going on now and and. You know, people on the board at um, at New Zealand Rugby thinking, right? Is you know, um, is Foster? Is he going to be able to to continue to to keep the dressing room intact and and um, is he the man to to steer them through to the World Cup and beyond? So I mean, it's a, um, yeah, it's a very very interesting one for them. But I mean, I've got to say, at Bad Island, this is, I mean they have a habit of peaking just before World Cups or a year too early. But this is uncharted territory, you know. I mean, going away to New Zealand uh, and winning there in a Test Series, that is going to give them such confidence that, you know, I can, re- I can really see them building and building on this. And um, You think this is different then, yeah? I do. I mean, I think lot, like my football equivalent, Dan, would be like, we always used to say the same thing about Spain. Do you remember it always used to be Spain had the yeah. best set of players and they'd always choke when it came to... When it came to the Euros or the World Cup, and then whenever it was two thousand and eight, they got the the monkey off their back, and then they won Euro. Yeah, the Euros, then um, then the World Cup, and then the Euros again. Now I'm not saying that Ireland are definitely going to go and win the World Cup, but what I am saying is at some point the cliches the cliches change, and uh, you know it, it was only in 2016 they'd never beaten the All Blacks. They've now beaten them. What is it? Six out of the last eight meetings or five out yeah. of the last eight whatever it is incredible it's a ridiculous stat that's, that's no one, unbelievable no as well, one beats them like that not Australia yeah. in their pomp not South Africa in their pomp um, yeah it's it's absolutely incredible and obviously it's a result of the fact that um, the, uh, the Irish Rugby Football Union have invested so much in the game at club level um, they've got a fantastic set of coaches and a massive you know a, a massive amount of credit is due to Andy Farrell and uh, you know he's got them in a, an absolutely superb position. And likewise, Joe Schmidt before that. You know, I, I know obviously the World Cup didn't go the way they wanted it to, but he, you know, I, I don't think you can look back at Joe Schmidt's legacy and say he was a dud coach. He was absolutely phenomenal. And no. Brought some, you know, started or started all of this in a way. So um, you know they're they're in a great position. But and again, there are clearly themes running here, Dan. That. Um, we kind of revisit some of the greatest hits of the attacking scrum. The the Achilles heel for them is that it still all hinges on Sexton. Sexton gets injured. Yeah, I'm not saying it falls apart, but such an integral part of that is removed.
0: Um, he's almost too. He's almost too big a player, isn't he? That the side just doesn't it doesn't tick. Yeah. As it should do without him, he's almost too. He's too important, isn't he? Too valuable, really, in a, str- in a strange way. Because he just does make such a difference, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he does. I mean, like everything. I think we said it before. It's, it's, it's like the nerve centre, isn't it? Everything runs through Sexton. Absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah, And he you know, he makes such good calls that if you take him away, it's so hard to... You know, as good a player as Joey Carberry is, and he is a good player, and who knows, maybe between now and the World Cup, he will step up and have a more important role. Um, but it's... Uh, he's just he's just so pivotal to their success Sexton.
0: He is. Yeah. So I I I messaged a, a good friend of mine called Barry Barry Brennan. Um Irish is he? <laughs> he is actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um said to him you know we had a little chat about the game and I said to him could you you know could you just sum up what that win what that win means. And he said, well, look, I'm not sure whether I can, I asked him to sort of represent the nation. So I'm not sure whether I can represent the nation, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll put something down for you. And he, he wrote, he wrote this to me, which is uh, he said, I suppose there's a joy in watching men who've toiled for years, putting their bodies on the line in good days and bad doing what so few teams have done and beat the ABs in a series down there, particularly men like Omani furlong, Henshaw, who I thought was brilliant yet again in his typically understated way, but particularly Johnny. He's our rugby version of Roy Keane, the man who drives everything and is the near-definition of an on-field general. I here where he gets a bit niggly. Something I would suggest the Lions were missing with a winky face. There's a sense that this is bigger than the Six Nations, just short of a World Cup, and as such it's probably the greatest achievement in Irish rugby. Barry Brennan.
1: Well, I think I think uh, I love that. By the way, I think I think Barry's hit the nail on the head. I think it is. I think it is big in the Six Nations, isn't it? You know, to um,
0: y- yeah. Well, because they've yeah because they've done it. Uh, you know, and, and they've done it before, haven't they? I mean, so uh,
1: put up, put it in. Um, yeah, put it in in context. If we'd gone and done that in in New Zealand, yeah, can you imagine? I oh, Dan, if we'd beaten New Zealand at home, you know, a- a- anywhere. If we'd yeah. managed to do that, what an achievement that would be for Welsh rugby! And uh, yeah, I, I think it's you know it's absolutely huge. Winning a test series in um, in New Zealand is, is is close to being an impossible task. Yeah. And you are right; this might not be the best vintage, but they rattled them. They absolutely rattled them. And yes, the second test, there was a card which affected it, but without a doubt, Ireland was such a, such a class act on Saturday. They they came out, they dominated the game physically. They really rattled New Zealand's. They executed the game plan really well. Balls going straight to hand, taking their chances. And you're right. A really interesting part of what Barry was saying there, uh, you know, some of those players who perhaps it would have been easy to to cast aside. You know, I, I'm sure if you listen back to podcasts we did after, you know, after the, the 2019 World Cup, we'd have probably gone, "God, are Ireland really going to carry on with Sexton? Is there nothing better?" Absolutely. You know, he's been, as we said, he's been brilliant. Omani, likewise. You know, Omani, would, yeah. he, he is astonishing. But it would be very easy, especially with all the talent there is in Irish rugby. To go well, there's there's better options than Omani, but it's those other things that you can bring to the team, and you know maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's a lesson for um, for Wales. You know, like we said, we've seen we've seen yeah. Dan Lydiate come back and play arguably his finest rugby in a red shirt since you know since like 2012 um, yep. or 2013, that that kind of era. Um, and that's, you know, that's big. You know, maybe, the, maybe there's more to come from, from Alan Wynn uh, onto the, to the next World Cup as well. So, yeah, it's, I think there is. Yeah. I,
0: th- I think it's a really good point you've, you've touched upon there because there are... It's difficult, isn't it? To say, you know, there arguably are better, you know, better players. depends on how you define better than Armani. Than, than mm. Certainly people that can do things that he can't do, but there's definitely things that he can do that others can't do. And if you want an out-and-out dog who's going to put his body on the line, front up, physically, you know, yes, he boils over at times, but he is an absolute menace. And he's somebody that I'd certainly want, you know, you'd love to play alongside him, wouldn't you? It's just, it'd just be trying to contain him. He's in there and, and it means, it, it, you, could, you can see how much it means to him, can't you? And I think there is something about when it, when they're coming to the end as well, when they feel like this could genuinely be the last time that they put on the shirts, I just think that has to, that has to, it has to hold something. So I think that playing players that are of an age, you know, if we, if we can get a result with with a certain player involved, then I don't think we have to look towards, you know, maybe they're not going to be around towards the world cup. If we, if we win and it it brings on other performances because we get the win, then I think that's something that could certainly be looked at uh, or should be looked at moving forward.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, it, it's a very interesting point, and nothing breeds confidence like like winning, does it? And um, yeah,
0: you know, kind of like the the argument of um, I suppose to bring it home, you know, overseas bringing in over, overseas players and playing them, you know, playing them in the in the, in the Welsh sides that that brings out the better, you know, they they feed off that it they feed off that experience, don't they, you know. How balanced probably? Omani would be in the in the change room. Same with Lydia. You know, when the nerves are really kicking in, he'll have nerves as well. But he'll just be able to to bring about that uh, and, and, uh, sort of. Like an assurance a, 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 it'll be quite measured won't they because they've been there they've been in so many different scenarios I think that's got to count enormously
1: really I think it does it, it kind of comes back to you know you, you look at Ian McGeeken used to refer to test match animals didn't he and um, yeah. and I think there is something that at the very highest level which playing a, a test series in New Zealand and winning is that's, um, that's what you need there is a certain mentality and a certain ability to pull you know to, to dig really 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 deep and undoubtedly Omani is one of those players who can do it and has done it over the you know over the course of a number of years and um and I think that that's um that that can't be underestimated so yeah i mean he's um yeah he he's been astonishing and i think there's there there is more to come from this island side and you know, if they if they back it, traditionally, they have they normally have a good autumn as well. If they have a good autumn, they're going to go with confidence sky high into the Six Nations. I mean, what a runway this might be, and I think they will be seeing it as an opportunity. Someone like Farrell, who is an outsider as well, I know he knows Irish rugby really well and he's been there a while. But his mentality, we know he's like as a you know as a rugby league player and uh, as a coach that you've seen on the Lions tours. I don't think he fears anything or anyone, and I think he will be saying to the players. You know, big autumn, get these wins, which I've I've no doubt they they can do. Then into the Six Nations, win a Six Nations. I mean, I th- I feel like he's the perfect man to shield them from the pressure of the expectation and to get those players excited about going into a World Cup on a great run of form. And um, yeah, it's a uh, it's really uh, you know really exciting time for them. And, and and hats
0: off. Yeah, I do. I feel. Yeah, I feel like there's something really special about that Irish coaching setup across their entire their back room as well i feel that they they there's a real fire like they really want it don't they they really want to prove prove something so yeah they're going to be yeah, yeah you'd, you'd love to be you'd love to be an island fan right now wouldn't you yeah absolutely and you know I, some party as well it must yeah. <laughs> it must have been yesterday i'm not sure whether you've seen that uh, that clip of omani there's, doing the rounds on Twitter. Is it the one of um, him
1: that, is this? Uh, is this him on the touchline just after the game?
0: No, it's oh, actually right. him out. He's, oh no, i have yeah. not seen this. Well, yeah, he's had uh, uh, just a few beers. I Excellent, think, and he's yeah, he's um, yeah, he's absolutely flying. Basically, Brilliant. having a, having a chat to a couple of policemen, and then uh, <laughs> before sort of slurring his words and going back into the party. Wearing a, wearing a fantastic old school blazer, amazing uh, striped striped blazer. But yeah, he is he's well oiled.
1: Good good for him. Yeah, I can't I can't be that. Let's um let's quickly have a look at, at England. I don't know how much of England you've caught across this um uh, across this series of summer internationals, Dan. Um,
0: bit, bit, bit bits and bobs yeah. really has been more like a more like a highlights. Uh, the highlights episodes yeah. I've, I've caught of England.
1: It's um it's it's really weird, England. I I think you know I, I was listening to to five live yesterday before the England game got underway. Which, I mean, I, I still I fail to understand how the BBC think that the best lineup is Chris Jones, Hugo monyer and, and Matt Dawson, um, but. It's just it's just a really really odd, you know. All the talk was about was about performances, and this is what Eddie Jones has been saying, you know, oh, it's about performances, not results. Performances, not results. Um, and if that is the case, it's been the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- they, I it's really weird, but I would probably rather be in Dave Rennie's shoes than than Eddie Jones's, and that's having lost a test match series at home to England. Um, I feel like you know Australia are a couple of players away from. Away from getting it right, I feel like there's there's something there, and there were some some brilliant moments from them. And to be fair, there were from England too. But I still just think, and actually, I think that third test was England's best performance on um, on tour. But I still just think there's a bit of uncertainty as to how Eddie wants them to play because they've got this mercurial talent at ten, and you know he's exciting, and we all know what Marcus Smith is capable of doing but I still think that there's part of him there's part of Eddie Jones that would much rather play a more pragmatic rugby. Um and the, the two don't need to be mutually exclusive, but I'm just not sure you know whether he's going to be able to to get that vision right. What I will say as I've said numerous times is he has a habit of making things click at the World Cup Eddie Jones. So, you know, I certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be writing England off, but um I also think there's there's going to be a bit more to see from uh, from the Australia team, but um you know, if we're if we're playing either of those tomorrow, I would say that they'd be there for the taking.
0: Well, I think I think with you know we're, we we pretty much know our you know know our squads now and our and our side, don't we? Which is something that we couldn't say couldn't say before this before this campaign. You know, Ireland certainly know their uh, you know their their squad and they've got they've got good depth. I, so I went for a a very very early morning bike ride. Um, with a, with a guy this morning who was English and he was saying he was really underwhelmed with the with the England game. Thought it was you know thought it was really poor. Obviously he was pleased with the win, but he, he his comments were that England seemed to be caught between a number of different styles, maybe three or four different styles, not two, but three or four different styles. And he 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 thinks that that England still don't know. Their best side. Mm. And he said this has been going on for year after year. And you'd have to agree, really, wouldn't you? Dan, the, the fact that he picked um he picked Danny care at nine
1: yesterday, um, I think kind of and shepherd's crooked him after 33, 34 minutes, I think absolutely says it all. And it feels like it's this, this kind of desperation to to say, um, you know, we need to get the best out of Marcus Smith, and if we're gonna do that. We need, you know, his. Um, we need his clubmate alongside him, and it massively backfired. You know, Kear, I've said it before. You know, Care. I was a massive fan of of Danny Kerr and he's still a brilliant player at Premiership level. But I mean, is now the time to really be going that Danny Kerr's the right the right man for um, the right man to to be nine uh, England? You know, they've they've tried him so many times, and it's he's never. Been, you know, I know he's got a load of caps, but he's never been a consistent starter for them even even in his prime and yes he's having a brilliant renaissance to his career but it felt like a bit of a, a bit of a move of desperation to be honest um, and i think yeah well
0: yeah on. i was going to say that for, i mean with with Marcus Smith and i think it was Murph that mentioned it last week or the week before that it i would say the nine is not the nine is not so much the issue with with, with Marcus Smith i think the the, the back row hmm and the centre partnership, but also the entire back line that works with him is, is where you're going to get the best out of him. Because th- I think yeah. he's, he's quick enough and nimble enough to, to, to be able to do something, depending on whoever the nine is. But it's the other... When weirdly, it's not the nine, it's the, it's, the, it's, it's the other players across the park that play with him. So they're, they're, they're in a really weird weird place, um, England, aren't they?
1: They are. And, and what's, what's odd is that... that um... Yeah, I, I agree with that, that point about the back road. but also the week before it looked as though they found the answer at nine. Van Portfleet had a brilliant, you know, brilliant first start test match rugby. He took to it like a duck to water, and I just thought, I thought, you know, what message does that send to him during the week? You know, he must be, he must, be, he must have been. Rage in to to not get the nod again, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like a missed opportunity, but nonetheless, they got the win. And you know, and, and as we said, for all their talk of performances, it will do them the world of good to to get the win. And as we said before, the, the player base that they, that they've got in England, there's a huge amount of talent there. I, I will say, I think Courtney Laws has been a really good choice of captain. I think it, I think it helps yeah. having someone. Um, you know, having someone of his experience, and I think he's, you know, he's a pretty level-headed guy, actually. You know, for someone who's so physical, I don't think he gets caught up in the emotion of the game. I think he's able to look at it through kind of pretty um, uh, pretty ice-cold lens, and, and I think that helps. And I think that's taking some of the pressure off Farrell, and Farrell has looked better at, at 12. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. I just think they're a, they're a, they're a strange old side um, to kind of get your head around.
0: They are. They're a very strange old side, but they're uh they're yeah, they're they are they've got so much quality, haven't they? That they're always gonna be there or thereabouts. The, the the frustrating thing is for them they just should be in some a lot of these games I think they should almost be cruising them. That's that's how I feel with England.
1: Yeah, no, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but there we are. But there we go. Right, um just to to bring the show to an end, Dan, and unfortunately another sad point to uh to end on, obviously it's been been doing the rounds in the papers, but Ryan Jones has revealed his battle against dementia, early onset dementia at the age of 41. Um, I mean, it feels like a heartbeat ago that he was, he was lifting Six Nations trophies for Wales and, and tearing up the, the Lions tours. Um, I mean, above everything, it's just, before we get into what it, you know, what it means for rugby and, and rugby governance and, and player safety, it's just an incredib- another incredibly heartbreaking story.
0: Yeah, it's a devastating, devastating story, isn't it? Really tough read. And uh, yeah, I was on a on a you know friend's WhatsApp group yesterday, and uh, you know Dav, who's been on this you know this pod a few times, said, you know, you know, have the you know brace yourself because uh, there's a story that's come out about Ryan Jones, and I, I, I. I yeah, I mean, I, I, I was—I couldn't believe it really. Even though, you know, there's a there's a lot of, um, you know, we know that there's a lot more of these cases, isn't there? Coming com- coming out, and sadly, or probably inevitably, really, there's going to be more and more. That's the that's the other you know, really sad thing about this, isn't it? That it's not going to be. It, it almost feels like who is going to be next, which is such a shocking thing to say. But I think I think. There's an air of inevitability, really. That's that's how it's going to be. And um, but yeah, to bring it back to Ryan Jones, yeah, it's so sad, isn't it? You know, re- reading those comments, those bits about you know his wife having to record conversations and then play them back to him, and just how just how tough that 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 must be. And um,
1: yeah, really, really sad news. It is, and and you know, you hope that well i hope for two things one that the the powers that be at world rugby get their act in order and this is you know this is an absolute um an absolute wake up call i know it's not the first case but i hope that we can once and for all get to the bottom of making this game safer and you know it's and that's something that just has to happen you know these are people's lives you know professional or not whether you signed up to the risks or not i'm not interested in that it's. It is a, a question of the fact that these are people's lives that have been. Um, I don't. Know, I, I don't want to say the word destroyed, but you know, a, a turned upside down, um, and you know, I, I, over what is essentially a game, a game that we love, but it's a game that that should really be safe for everyone. And the second point is, I hope this just stops all the nonsense from all the dinosaurs that we see about the games gone soft. It's like, do you know what? the game the game hasn't gone soft the game has changed and when when it became professional, these guys got bigger, and the collisions became a lot harder and the damage that that's done to players um needs to be looked at and you know anything we can do to reduce head collisions, whether it's at breakdowns or it's at tackles or whatever we've just got to get this we've just got to get this clear and i'm still I'm still sick of all this um stuff that we see you know this kind of mitigation stuff that is just too um you know, too subjective. I just think when it comes to head collisions, we've got to be getting very. You know, I felt like they were moving very much in the right direction. That you know, if it bordered on uh, on a red or a yellow, you were getting a red. And I'm not. I don't care whether a game's ruined in inverted commas because a player's got sent off. Um, if it changes players' behaviour so that they are they're deliberately going lower and therefore reducing the, the 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 opportunity for impact to the head, then I'm afraid that's you know that's that's what should happen and. Um, yeah, it's just yeah again. You know, another horrible, uh, horrible story that
0: we that we don't have to be talking about. Yeah, rugby rugby is at the moment in a very very precarious position, isn't it? And I think there's going to be some some bigger some some bigger some bigger changes coming in. Really, That's, yeah. uh It's the only the only the, the only way I think.
1: Let's um let's try and end on a positive though, Dan. Which um. I, I wanted to just talk about the the kind of the, the overall setup of these of these summer internationals because it's something that we haven't had for a while, these kind of old-school three-match test series, I think it really helped, actually. You know, it felt like, because they were all on Sky as well, I felt like it's all there back-to-back. I feel like Sky's coverage is still the best as well, if I'm honest. I don't know if this is just me reminiscing a bit about, you know, because I've watched a lot of rugby on Sky in my you know in my teens and 20s, and maybe it just reminds me of being younger. But I do think that their coverage is excellent. You think people like Michael Liner and... and I know Flatman works for B T as well, but the combination of him, Harrison and, and Michael liner was was excellent, and I just feel like they, they did the job so well, um, but also that job of marketing it, you know when it became, um, it became obvious that you had four Test match series all going down to the wire, um, they did a really good number of promoting it, and yes, of course they're promoting it because they want to sell more subscriptions. Well, that's good you know that's that that is the advantage of having someone who's as, as clever and as switched on as, as the marketing people at, at Sky I thought I felt like they kind of really got behind it and there was like a sense of an event about this whereas if it was like oh one game's on BT over there one's on you know one's on Premier Sports you kind of lose that thing a bit and um, I don't know it almost felt like a a bit of a, a bit of a tournament it felt like it was a, a mini rugby world cup going on even though you're playing the same size each week
0: yeah, I agree. I think the Sky's commentary was was great, and yeah, your point of, I think a lot of, a lot of rugby, with the, with the, with the games being on so many different channels, it's almost got quite complex, hasn't yeah. it? To, to to find it has for you,
1: mate. Stuff. It has for you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, def definitely has for me. But I think, you know it it, it's it's more it's harder isn't it to know what you know whereas before you know exactly pretty much pretty much where it was going to be and if it if it is slightly harder to find then it will it will have an impact on 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 people on people people tuning in but you know your it's your it's your bag isn't it and quote quote, quoting some of your stuff you said to me over the over the years but you can create a narrative can't you around around those those three tests and i think the narratives were, were great there was great buy in and there was emotion and with emotion then comes an audience and it went down it was just and it was fantastic wasn't it that it went down to the final you know the final weekend as a decider and i think it's been a huge success um having these these series is it's been great isn't it a great a great uh, a great three-week period
1: it has yeah and look it's um competitive meaningful rugby that's what we, that's what we all want um and uh, on that note, we'll uh, we'll be back in September to talk about the uh, to talk about the United Rugby Championship, which um, has uh, has not always provided us with competitive, meaningful rugby. But anyway, who knows, Dan? Maybe this year it will be different, and we'll get a, we'll get a big um, a big contingent of the Welsh side through to the latter stages of Europe and of uh, of, the, of the UFC as well. That's it. It's got to happen at some point, isn't it? I hope so. So next year it is good stuff Dan uh, a pleasure as always uh, take a well-earned break mate from these two weeks on a row um, I know it's it's been mighty difficult for you um but yeah you head off to kids birthday parties or whatever it is you got this afternoon
0: I will yeah off to a go find a trampoline now
1: amazing. Uh well yeah, look, thanks uh, thanks everyone for listening this this whole season as well. We'll be back in the new season. I hope to bring you a few specials before that as well. Um stay stay subscribed if you if you don't already um subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your your podcast from. That way if we do create a few bonus ones over the summer, then you'll be able to you'll be able to hear them. Um but yeah, we're off uh, we're off to enjoy melting in the melting in the sun and we'll be back with you uh week in week out in September. Um, and, yeah, finally, as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to do some, uh, get your hands on some top-quality coffee, um, then you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, thanks for listening. We'll be back to chat to you uh, in the autumn. Podcast Network.